that is who we are dealing with. It is now a pervasive disease that has gone through the entire Republican Party. Yep. And it ain't COVID. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. That's why. I got the feeling that something ain't right. Oh, it ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me. Jokers to the right. Here I am stuck in the From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast that's heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA, also in California in Red Bluff and Redding on KFOI and Round Mountains KKRN, up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO, Eugene's KEPW, Lanchester, Pennsylvania's W News, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU, in Columbus, Ohio on WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP, Rochester, New York's WRFZ, down in New Orleans on WHIV, out in Gallup, New Mexico on KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ in Seattle on KODX, Fairmont, West Virginia's WEFR, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM 950 KTNF. We also stream coast to coast and around the globe every day. On the internets, on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, No Lies Radio, Detour Talk, and most of your favorite podcast sites, Blanketing Planet Earth. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me from Bradblog.com, celebrating 20 years of troublemaking and muckraking. Welcome to the Bradcast. I will Desi Doyen. Let me start here with the more <laughs> with the more fun stories. Okay, good. <laughs> more fun than where we're going to need to go in a bit today, uh, as teased by our open uh, quote there at the top of the show. So let's start here. Last April, so almost a year or so ago, we told you about my pillow founder. And champion election denier Mike Lindell, who made a bold offer ahead of a so-called cyber symposium that he held in August of 2021 in South Dakota. We covered it a bit as it happened back in 2021 on this show. But uh, Lindell had Lindell had claimed he had a special super secret computer data that he had somehow gathered Uh, off uh, the Internet from a whistleblower or something showing Chinese interference in the 2020 presidential election. And he was so certain that this uh, would, you know, was the key to the stolen 2020 presidential election when Joe Biden stole it from Donald Trump, that Mike Lindell said he would pay five million dollars to anyone who could prove that that material that he had from showing Chinese interference, uh, $5 million to anyone who could prove that it was not from the previous year's U.S. election. Uh, Lindell called his $5 million challenge, prove Mike wrong. (laughs) If someone could prove Mike wrong and show the data was unrelated to the election the year before, they'd get the payout, $5 million, Lindell said. In, uh, in South Dakota, where uh, contestants would review the files that he had from this whistleblower. Now, 
uh, a guy by the name of Robert Zeidman. He originally took on Lindell's challenge because, quote, either way, I thought it'd be a historic event to participate, he told the Washington Post on Wednesday. The 2021 symposium, it was one of several ways that Lindell had amplified election fraud falsehoods after Trump's 2020 loss. So to receive the challenge's five million prize, Lindell had asked the participants at the symposium to prove that the data, quote, unequivocally does not reflect information related to the November 2020 election. And Zideman, who happens to be a computer forensics expert who voted for Donald Trump twice, well, he reviewed the files during the three-day symposium, which he said friends had convinced him to attend. And, well, he did just that. Uh, Zeidman found that the data did not prove election interference and didn't even have anything to do with the, the previous year's elections at all. Apparently, it was just random numbers and letters and lists of IP addresses and other basic junk that showed, well, absolutely nothing about nothing. But Zeidemann comp uh, compiled a 15-page report on his findings, and he sent a letter to Lindell's firm asking for the $5 million reward. Now, the terms <laughs> of the, the contest allowed an arbitration proceeding if there were any questions about the results. And a month later, after Lindell had refused to pay up the $5 million to Zeidemann, well, he filed for this private arbitration. And the private arbitration panel agreed with Robert Zeidemann. <laughs> I have a feeling I know where this is going. Lindell, in fact, they determined owed Zeidemann, the only participant who, by the way, had submitted a claim here, Man, now I wish I had done. <laughs> anyway, uh, they agreed that uh, that Lindell owed Zeidemann $5 million, and the panel required Lindell management to pay him within 30 days. But the betting magnate slash grifter, now seemingly running short on, on funds given all of the other legal trouble that he appe still appears to be in, like the $1.3 billion defamation lawsuit he's facing from Dominion Voting Systems over his false election claims. Uh, so, you know, running low on funds and low on luck, Lindell still refused to pay Zideman. And so in May of 2023, last year, Zideman asked a federal court to confirm his arbitration award. Lindell filed for a dismissal of the case, but the chances of a confirmation of the arbitration panel's ruling were, uh, were in Zeidemann's favor, according to his attorney. Under the Federal Arbitration Act, arbitration rulings are upheld unless they are found to be obtained by corruption, fraud, or undue means. Well, the court on Wednesday ruled, quote, this is a federal judge in Minnesota that, yep, Lindell owes $5 million plus interest, by the way, oh. to Zeidemann as he uh, upheld the private arbitration panel's ruling. Attorneys for Lindell have not yet responded to request for comment from the Washington Post, uh, but uh, uh, Zeidemann said he is not sure he'll ever actually receive the payout since Lindell can appeal Wednesday's decision, although on what grounds, I don't know. 
Zideman, who is still active in Republican politics, said he hopes those following the case understand that Lindell's data was not related to the election. He said, quote, getting the truth out is the most important thing. Well, good for him for saying so. No kidding. Thank you, Mr. Zideman. I agree with you. Of course, getting the truth out, because it's the most important thing, is what we try to do every day on the broadcast and have certainly been trying to do when it comes to the 2020 election, both before, during, after, and ever since. We will try to, to do the same, by the way, when it comes to the 2024 election as well, even as we will continue to keep our eyes on poor, poor Mike. Proven wrong yet again. <laughs> now only costing him $5 million plus interest. I suspect it's going to get much worse for him in that Dominion defamation case, but let's not get ahead of ourselves. Hey, speaking of the truth and the 2024 election, you may or may not have seen, uh, have, have heard about this, uh, this new poll at all, because apparently only polls that show Donald Trump defeating Joe Biden this November seem to get much traction from the corporate media, even though this is a major poll. Uh, from a major pollster of nearly 1,500 registered voters, uh, you know, from a well-respected longtime polling outfit by the name of Quinnipiac, Quinnipiac University. They write in a hypothetical 2024 general election presidential matchup, President Biden leads Donald Trump nationally among registered voters 49 to 45. So not a huge lead obviously, but certainly counter to the polls that you likely have heard uh, suggesting that Trump is is beating Biden by a similar or even greater margin. This compares to Quinnipiac University's January poll when Biden had 50 percent support and Trump had 44 percent. So similar to the latest numbers uh, from January to uh, where are we? February or so. Uh, similar, within the same margin of error, still showing Biden ahead of Trump nationally. They write, when the hypothetical matchup is expanded to include independent and Green Party candidates, Biden receives 38 percent support to Trump's 37 percent support. So uh, still beating Trump, but only at that point by one point well within the margin of error. So, yeah, independent and Green Party candidates, despite their claims do appear, at least according to this poll, this one poll, to hurt, not help Joe Biden, as, for example, independent candidate Robert F. Kennedy Jr. has has claimed. He's been arguing that, oh, he doesn't take uh, votes away from uh, Biden. He takes more away from Donald Trump. Well, in this poll, Kennedy, uh, when when all of these folks were thrown in, uh, Kennedy receives 15 percent support. Independent candidate Cornell West receives 3%, and Green Party candidate Jill Stein receives 3%. But still, it would seem to be good news for Joe Biden, at least compared to much of the other recent polling that has received a lot of coverage in the media. So how did, for example, Politico cover this brand new Quinnipiac poll showing Joe Biden beating Donald Trump nationally by almost five points? Well, here's Politico's headline. Quote, poll, nearly 70 percent say Biden is too old to serve again. That's what Politico said. Actually, Politico Pro 
think you got to pay for that one uh, to see. But uh, that's yeah. that's their takeaway from this. Biden is too old to serve again, say nearly 70 percent of voters. Seriously. And it, if you didn't read the article, you'd have no idea whatsoever. Even if you read the article, it's not much better. Here's their lead. Quote, President Joe Biden narrowly re- leads former President Donald Trump, even though an overwhelming majority of voters are worried about his age. A new Quinnipiac University poll showed. 67% of voters said the 81-year-old president is too old to effectively remain uh, to to effectively serve another term compared with 57% who said the same of Trump who is 77. Only 34% said Biden had the mental fitness to serve a second term while 48% believed Trump is mental mentally fit. Now it is true uh the details of the poll do find that uh, but is, is that really the lead? Nearly 70% say he's too old to serve again, especially since majorities of both parties apparently added up, believe that Joe Biden, uh, even if too old, they still prefer him over Donald Trump, at least in this poll. Poll also finds that when it comes to things like ethics, a majority of 68 percent of registered voters say Trump is too unethical to be president. Sixty eight percent. That seems noteworthy. And yet wasn't in the headline. Fifty seven percent say Donald Trump doesn't care about average Americans. That's not mentioned in the headline or anywhere near the top of the story. Sixty one percent say Trump doesn't have the personality or temperament to serve effectively in office. 61%, but none of those made it into Politico's headline or even its lead. Now, is, uh, is, is Joe Biden too old to be president for another four years? Well, 67%, not, not 70 but 67% in this poll do think so, and you or I might think so as well. But A, as a majority here prefer him over Trump anyway, and B, at least when it comes to Democrats, they kind of need to get over it because there's no sign that Joe Biden will not be the candidate this November. Oh, but Brad, maybe Biden will will hear us if we yell and scream loud enough and he'll decide to step aside. All right, maybe so. Maybe he will. Then what? Apparently, uh, the argument is that there should be an open convention this summer uh, where Democrats pick a different candidate. And somehow, after a long floor fight about who that, that candidate should be, they're all going to hug and kiss and sing Kumbaya and unify in time for November. Yeah, right. But will they unify around, for example, Kamala Harris? I hear she's unpopular, too, if you believe the polls. But how will it affect the Democratic Party coalition if the first female vice president of color is shunted aside at this open convention, even even if the sitting president said that he would step aside, which he shows absolutely no sign of saying? And then there are the other polls that also don't seem to get much press coverage on this very point. Emerson just released a new presidential poll which has Donald Trump up over Biden by one point, 45 to 44 percent. That's in line with other polls over the last month or so. 
which show a, a very slight move back in Biden's direction of late. But Emerson also polled alternatives to Biden, including the, uh, the the folks that many have suggested would do better against Donald Trump than Joe Biden would because he's so old, including Kamala Harris, Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer, California Governor Gavin Newsom. In those polls, Donald Trump beats Kamala Harris by three points, not just one, as he does over Biden. He beats Gretchen Whitmer by 12 points. He beats Gavin Newsom by 10 points. In other words, even if Biden was replaced because he can't beat Trump because he's so old, well, according to this poll anyway, Biden does better against Trump than any of the suggested alternatives. At least as of now. Maybe they would do better uh, if they had more name recognition eventually. Maybe they would do better after a great big huge floor fight at the Democratic National Convention over which one should run against Donald Trump. Reopening the battles between moderates and progressives. That'll work. Sure. Now, you may see a different alternative for all of this. And if so, please drop me email via bradcast at bradblog.com. I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to hear how that scenario works. And maybe I'll share some of them uh, on the air and we can talk about those scenarios on a future show. Bradcast at bradblog.com. But again, I've said it before, have a feeling I'm going to be saying it a lot between now and November. Is Joe Biden too old to be president? Sure. Is Donald Trump too corrupt and wildly dangerous? To be president? Absolutely. So who should we go with? The guy who's too old or the guy who's too corrupt and dangerous? Short of any sign of a different race than the one that we appear to be looking at this year, again, it seems to me like a pretty simple choice, I would think. But again, if you got a different scenario, I really, I would love to hear it. Uh, I am bradcast at bradblog.com. Beyond that, I kind of think Democrats and progressives need to suck it up, frankly, <laughs> unless they would like to see Donald Trump in the Oval Office again for the next four years or who knows, maybe more. I don't know. Uh, if that's what they want, OK, let me know. Bradcast at bradblog.com. I kind of think that's dangerous. Very. And along those lines, do I have a story for you? That is coming up next. On the broadcast, also Green News Report with Desi Doyne is coming up a little bit later. Yay. I'm Brad Friedman. You're listening to the broadcast. The broadcast and the Green News Report are 100% independent, 100% listener supported. But we can't do it alone. We need you. Please help us bring real facts to listeners at independent stations around the nation. Please drop by bradblog.com donate. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. From Russia with love. Uh huh. I fly to you. Welcome back to the broadcast. Brad Friedman from Bradblog.com. It has been a banner week or two for Russian President Vladimir Putin. He is truly now feeling his oats, it would seem. And why not? 
He's got friends in very high places here in the U.S., specifically the GOP frontrunner for president of the United States and largely every single Republican in Congress, just about, or at least enough to make sure that his imperialist invasion of Ukraine, his peaceful neighbor, two years ago this week, while still largely stalemated, has seen some successes in recent weeks as Ukraine is said to be running low on ammunition and supplies in no small part because Republicans in Congress are blocking billions in aid to our Democratic allies in Ukraine who are fighting to protect European democracy from being run roughshod over by an expansionist autocratic Russia under Putin right now. Something it seems like uh, everyone in the U.S. ought to get behind trying to stop. Putin's main opposition, the 47-year-old democracy and human rights hero Alexei Navalny, died under still unknown circumstances in an Arctic gulag uh, a few days ago where he had been imprisoned by Putin on trumped-up charges, though everyone knows Putin is responsible for Navalny's death. Just days later, after Navalny was killed, after Donald Trump refused to even mention the incident for 72 hours, before absurdly comparing himself to the hero Navalny while failing to condemn Putin, uh, in case the message of Putin killing Navalny just one month before Putin is to stand for a fake election against no real opposition because he has jailed or killed or exiled all of them, a Russian pilot who had defected to Ukraine after Putin's invasion, was found dead in Spain, riddled with bullets and, for good measure, run over by a car. Message received, I guess. On Thursday, it was reported that Russia is still refusing to turn over Navalny's body to his mother unless she agrees to have him buried in secret. Just more delay tactics to prevent the world from learning how Navalny was actually killed and, you know, what sort of chemical agent was likely used to poison him to death. On Thursday, Navalny's widow, Yulia, and uh, his daughter met with President Biden during his West Coast visit up in San Francisco. This morning I had the honor of meeting with Alexei Navalny's wife and daughter. As you state the obvious, he was a man of incredible courage. And it's amazing how his wife and daughter are emulating that. And we're going to be announcing the sanctions against Putin, who is responsible for his death, tomorrow. And uh, the one thing I made that was made clear to me is that uh, Yolanda is going to, she's going to continue to, to fight and have on the way. So we're not letting up. Thank you. A little difficult to hear in that parking garage, but uh, the president said that he will be announcing new sanctions against Russia and Putin on Friday. And yet, message received by the world, if not yet by Vladimir Putin's greatest allies now, no, not China or Iran or North Korea, but his greatest allies seem to be Donald Trump and Republicans in Congress and across the entirety of the right-wing media sphere, all of whom who have been doing Vladimir Putin's bidding, not just in recent years, but going back almost a decade at this point. 
By way of uh, giving you some background here, there was this embarrassing incident by former Fox News star Tucker Carlson filmed after his obsequious two-hour softball interview with uh, Vladimir Putin in the Kremlin and released just a day or two before Alexei Navalny turned up dead in a Siberian prison. I'm, I'm sure you've seen parts of this. All right. Here we go. So I guess you put in 10 rubles here and you get it back when you put the cart back. So it's free, but there's an incentive to return it and not just bring it to your homeless encampment. This is the uh, grocery cart escalator. <laughs> this is designed, I'm figuring this out now, where the wheels don't move, they lock on the grocery cart escalator. Look, Ma, no hands. Coming to a Russian grocery store, the heart of evil, and seeing what things cost and how people live, it will radicalize you mm. against our leaders. That's mm. how I feel anyway, radicalized. We're not making any of this up, by the way, at all. <laughs> no, he's not making any of this up. <laughs> no, and that was his music uh, that he put behind all of that. Uh, you know, exactly, in, in the uh, delightful Moscow grocery store where they have the, the greatest uh, shopping carts. You, you can't take them. They're, well, you can, but, you know, there's an incentive to not take them back to your homeless encampment. For the record, and, and while Tucker's ridiculous fawning praise of Russia has been appropriately excoriated from many quarters over the past week or so, even if not necessarily Republican ones, of course, I, I've sort of been surprised that I've not yet seen anyone else note that, you know, the grocery store chain in the U.S. named Aldi's also has an identical system for checking out shopping carts for a quarter that you get back when you return the when you return the cart. Shh, don't tell Tucker. And by the way, that you know the Ralph's grocery store just a few blocks away from me also has one of those glorious shopping cart escalators that Tucker was so impressed by that actually <laughs> locks onto the he was so impressed, in fact, that he, he says his visit to the Russian grocery store radicalized him against our leaders here in the U.S. And I guess in favor of Russia and its authoritarian leader. Really, Tucker, come out and visit us in Los Angeles. We have all the modern conveniences that you find in <laughs> Moscow. By the way, that so-called Russian grocery store that Tucker visited, it's actually a French grocery store. A French grocery store chain that is in Russia. He either is too dishonest to have mentioned that to his radicalized viewers or he's too dumb or lazy to have figured it out. Take your pick. But don't hold your breath for Tucker to be radicalized in favor of French style socialism anytime soon. <laughs> not nearly fascist enough for our dumb, dishonest friend Tucker. But it's not just overseas where Putin is now feeling his oats of late. He must be very happy about how he has successfully been tearing this country apart, not just in recent years, but over the past decade. In recent days, Republicans in Congress and on right-wing media have been twisting themselves into knots, trying to figure out how to either ignore or to justify the fact that the guy at the center of their phony years-long campaign, the case against Joe Biden, at the very core of the ongoing House Republican impeachment inquiry that is still supposedly underway in Congress, 
How it uh, and led, by the way, by the powerful oversight and judiciary committees, how it can be that the guy who for years was said to have the skinny on Joe Biden receiving five million dollars in bribes from the Ukrainian energy company called Burisma, that guy. As it turns out, was arrested and charged last week by the Department of Justice and not just by those lefty hippie radicals who run the FBI and the DOJ both of which are actually very conservative, arguably too conservative institutions. Uh, but that guy uh, was charged for lying to the FBI about the very claim that he was making that was at the heart of this case against Joe Biden, this Burisma bribe case. The guy who was charged, again, uh, the guy who did the charging was not those hippie radicals, but it was a guy by the name of David Weiss, a guy who was appointed as a U.S. attorney by Donald Trump himself and then named as a special prosecutor to investigate Joe Biden's son, Hunter, by Trump's own corrupt attorney general, Bill Barr. So, yes, the, the same David Weiss who was charged uh, who has charged Hunter Biden with gun and tax-related charges, uh, that same guy indicted Alexander Smirnoff, the so-called reliable FBI informant, as described in hundreds and hundreds of fawning Fox News outrage pieces. The guy who claimed Burisma had given $5 million to Joe Biden as a bribe, he was indicted at an airport in Las Vegas this week with plans to leave the country in two days. And as long as I mentioned the charges against Hunter Biden, by the way, I suspect they very well may end up being thrown out entirely. Anyway, this guy, Alexander Smirnov, was at the very center of the case against Joe Biden, their impeachment case against a sitting president. And though they are twisting themselves into pretzels to hope that you don't notice, well, just last year, Congressman James Comer, the chair of the powerful oversight committee leading this impeachment probe, cited this very important informant and the critical role that he played in the impeachment inquiry. This is a very crucial piece of our investigation. So that was 2023. Smirnoff was a very crucial piece of their investigation. Well, this week, following the arrest of Alexander Smirnoff, here's Comer back on Fox News. You know, the, the, at, the, at the end of the day, he wasn't an important part of this investigation because I didn't even know who he was. <laughs> so he didn't even know who he was. I thought, wasn't he very crucial? No. I don't even know who he is. As I said, twisting themselves into pretzels. At a court hearing this past week, the DOJ said while they were arguing with a federal magistrate judge to keep Smirnoff in custody pending trial since they regard him as a flight risk, the DOJ, yes, the Trump-appointed special prosecutor's team, told the judge that Smirnoff was in direct contact with high-ranking Russian intelligence operatives. And they were the ones who gave him the fake story about phony bribes to Joe Biden, which made its way onto Fox News and straight into the GOP-led impeachment inquiry of Joe Biden. 
Now, just before airtime, I should note, as reported by AP late on Thursday, the former FBI informant accused of lying about multi-million dollar bribery, allegations against Joe Biden and his son Hunter, and purportedly having links to Russian intelligence, he was once again taken into custody on Thursday, two days after a judge said that he could be freed ahead of trial, according to his attorneys. The arrest... I guess the second arrest was during a meeting on Thursday morning with his lawyers. It came after prosecutors appealed a ruling allowing the 43-year-old Smirnov, who holds dual U.S.-Israeli citizenship, to be released uh, with a GPS monitor ahead of trial on charges alleging he lied to the FBI. So he was released a few days ago. He has now been uh, the uh, DOJ special counsel David Weiss. Uh, his team went and appealed that ruling, and uh, apparently the judge agreed with them. And Smirnov has now been taken into custody after being arrested again. And in truth, the DOJ and the Trump-appointed U.S. attorney, David Weiss, may well be saving this guy's life by keeping him in protected cu- protective custody. Frankly, he may want to thank them rather than challenge them, but in any event... This is all madness, but none of this madness began in just the past few years. All of this, all of this, going back to at least 2015 and the stolen emails in the 2016 election, all of it has been one great, big, and frankly, very successful Russian intelligence op facilitated on this end by Donald Trump and right-wing media and their lackeys in Congress and ultimately uh, by Republicans at the voting booth. TPM's Josh Marshall sort of pulls everything together in a piece this week headlined, A Bigger Story Than You Can Possibly Imagine. He says, I know that's a big headline that promises a lot, but I think it's true says Josh, detailing what he accurately describes as a continuing Russian information operation that has been going on for almost a decade. Yes, it is all of a piece. He reviews some of the uh, recent events, uh, most of which I've already described uh, for you quickly, though I, I left out how much of this is likely to scuttle the charges, really, against Hunter Biden by the Same prosecutor, David Weiss, who is now claiming that one of his sources in the Hunter Biden investigation is actually a liar, which is sort of a tough case to bring in federal court. Oh, you should throw Hunter in jail, even though this case was built on a guy who I've also arrested for lying anyway. It does not look good. We'll see how quickly the Hunter Biden cases end up getting tossed out entirely. Or not. We'll see. But back to the main line of argument here, writes Josh Marshall. We were told that Russia's effort to meddle in the 2016 election was obviously bad. And Rudy Giuliani's dumpster diving in Ukraine and other parts of the former USSR in 2018 and 2019, which led to Donald Trump's first impeachment, was probably hoovering up Russian disinformation, too. But that was then. Stop bringing up Russia every time you don't like a story. This Hunter Biden story, it's real. But really, what we see now, which many of us long suspected, is that this is one ongoing influence operation now going back almost a decade. 
For years, Josh Marshall notes, he's continued saying uh, against what seems like the unified thinking of every reporter and editorialist and credentialed smart person that the fabled Hunter Biden laptop. Uh, he's been saying that was obviously the product of a Russian influence operation. The story was absurd on its face. Somehow Hunter Biden decided in a drugged up fugue that he needed to take his laptop to a computer repair shop. He then forgot about it entirely. And the legally blind owner of the repair shop decided to crack it open and look at the files as one does, and then somehow managed to get the contents of that computer to Rudy Giuliani and Steve Bannon. Sounds totally legit. The standard response, writes Josh, has always been, but the emails are real. Never mind the background, never mind where this thing came from. The, the emails, those are real. But he notes, this is silly. The DNC emails back in 2016, were real too. That's always how these things work. But very clearly, some party either hacked into Biden's computer or physically stole the laptop and then devised this cover story to launder it into the public realm, and it worked. Now, actually, our friend Marcy Wheeler uh, has long argued with hard evidence to support it that Hunter's emails were actually, the emails were stolen somehow, and then they were placed onto a hard drive in a computer mixed with some things that may not actually be his uh, emails or from his computer, and then uh, all of that mysteriously made its way to Rudy Giuliani through this whole blind computer repair shop owner story. But all of this... Uh, being so obviously a disinformation campaign. So, no, we have not spent a lot of time on it because it seemed, at least to me, to be so clearly nonsense. Even as the whole supposedly very, very smart and very well-paid corporate media has fallen for all of it for years now. Anyway, back to Josh, who writes that basically everybody, and I mean everybody, ended up falling for this. Well, not everybody, Josh, but I take <laughs> your point. Indeed, he writes, the very brief efforts to remain wary of the laptop story in the final days of the 2020 election have evolved into an object case of the dangers of censorship. And even liberal media election meddling. Yes, it's a case that Donald Trump makes all the time. Oh, I would have won, but for the fact that they censored the truth about Hunter Biden's laptop just days before the election. Uh, Josh notes that was the centerpiece of Elon Musk's so-called Twitter files nonsense. But Elon Musk going in for it isn't the point. He's a clown, says Josh. All the serious people ended up doing exactly the same. They fell for it. Even though this has always been, as Josh sort of says, BS. He uses a different word. Media organizations at first would not touch the story because they'd spent the previous four years kicking themselves for allowing themselves to become the promoters of a Russian election interference and disinformation campaign with the purloined DNC emails back in 2016. Since the Hunter Biden laptop stories had all the hallmarks of exactly the same thing somehow happening to just pop up right in the final days of the 2020 election. Of course, they were suspicious. 
At worst, that initial resistance was very reasonable, given the record for 2016, even if, even if it had been the case that the story was entirely legitimate. But it wasn't. Even though the Smirnoff revelations themselves do not speak directly to the laptop, laptop story, at least not yet, they tell us very clearly that Russian intelligence operations have continued to drive stories at the center of the American political debate right up until today. Russian intelligence operations. Josh says, are we really supposed to believe that these Russian operations, which kicked off in 2015 and continued into 2017, were going full force through 2018 and 2019 with Rudy Giuliani and continue right up until today, somehow played no role in the unbelievable story of Hunter Biden's laptop? Of course they did. It's all the same operation. And this is me, not Josh. Our mainstream corporate media keep falling for it again and again and again and again. Back to Josh. Uh, we really can't say Republicans and MAGA Republicans were duped. The evolution of U.S. politics, egged along, skid-greased by helpful Russians, created a context in U.S. politics where these folks didn't really have to be duped. The Russians under Putin are the good guys. I mean, have you seen their grocery stores? Am I right, Tucker? they got a, a, a ramp that holds the carts in place as it goes up. If they're making sure that we have the most current information, that's all they're doing. Where's the harm in that, right? The real issue, Josh observes, uh, is the reporters and the editorialists and the commentators who vouched for and credited this whole edifice of lies and BS. Yes, they guffawed when... GOP House Oversight Committee Chair James Comer came forward yet again with more revelations that never quite panned out, but they didn't give up hope. They were always waiting for the next revelation. I would add they still are. Comer and his Republican colleagues hadn't provided, quote, hard evidence, yet there sure was a lot of smoke, and we saw a lot of reporting along those lines. Well, they haven't absolutely proved it. They haven't come up with hard evidence they haven't come up with soft evidence. Anything. The, uh, anyway, the, the, this entire thing, Josh Marshall correctly concludes, has been based on Russian plants and intelligence operations from the start. Every bit of it. He says it's been obvious, and yet, well, they're all dupes. Somehow, almost a decade now after this whole thing started, we're shocked to see, wow, Weiss's office was being led around by another cat's paw of the Russian intelligence services. We're shocked. But why are we shocked? Every last person among the serious people of the nation's capital and the sprawling thing called elite received opinion has egg on their face. And as he notes, it's not even clear that they fully realize it yet. It's not. Josh is correct. I don't know that they fully realize it. 
I don't know that they fully realize how this has been one big operation, essentially, over the past decade. And uh, to be frank, this has been going on for so long, despite so obviously being BS from the jump, that I'm not sure those people talking again about the, the elite reporters and editorialists and commentators, not sure that they ever will get it. Because they are not unlike the Republicans in Congress and on Fox News in that regard, those Republicans who do not want to face the truth because they'd have to admit their own failure, their own failure going back for a decade. And, after all, who knows what the, the next shoe to drop might be between now and the 2024 election. That one may be the real one, the real scandal, the real October surprise, cracking open just how corrupt Joe Biden is. And, uh, you know, being too critical now, well, that will add more fuel to Republicans' charge that the media are just a bunch of leftist, liberal, Democratic hacks, so we would hate for them to be proven right. We don't mind being called out as idiots by folks on the left as long as those on the right don't have reason to come after us. But this is not just another media failure. If that's all that it was, it wouldn't be nearly as troubling as it is. This is a failure, and the corruption by foreign elements of one of our main global adversaries, a failure of our entire political system, an intel op that began at least a decade ago with Russian disinformation that was funneled straight into our media and straight into our political system, straight into the mouth of a once and could be future Republican president and straight into the halls of Congress, to the Putin wing of the Republican Party, to the Judiciary Committee, to the Oversight Committee, but to the whole Republican Party, which is to the Putin wing, the whole, the whole near entirety of it at this point, in hopes of taking down a Democratic president. And, by the way, in hopes of allowing Vladimir Putin to run roughshod over a peaceful, sovereign neighbor. And all of that is kind of working. And yet, by the way, there remain those on the left who have also willingly fallen for all of this. And of course, those are the ones who I think are the most pathetic for having done so, but I will save some of those thoughts and that ire for another day. Josh called it a bigger story than you could possibly imagine. I might call it the most successful Russian intelligence disinformation campaign in history. And frankly, I believe we're still only seeing the very tip of that iceberg. How much is there and how long will it take for our mainstream corporate media to fully appreciate it, to fully appreciate what is going on here before we allow a foreign adversarial nation with deadly designs on the entire globe to sink democracy itself? How long will that take? We'll find out. Green News Report is next on the broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman.
Hey, this is Brad. Please consider supporting whichever progressive media outlet is serving you. Most, just like us, do not receive corporate or political support. We all need your support to counter the powerful corporate media echo chamber. From Desi Doyen and myself, thank you. My, my. Move, uh, news certainly does move quickly these days, Desi Doyen. <laughs> yes, it does. Uh, as we were over the break there, uh, this from CNN, Biden administration will impose sanctions on more than 500 targets in response to Navalny's death in the latest move to levy consequences against Russia. Good news. I think, uh, you know, I've uh, not been in favor of the chest thumping against uh, uh, Russia over many years, but now it's kind of getting insane. And that's not the only piece of news over the break. Also, <clears throat> Washington Post reports a U.S. spacecraft successfully lands on the moon for the first time since the Apollo 17 flight 51 years ago. Wow. That is cool. That's kind of cool. I didn't even know we were doing that. It's the lunar lander Odysseus touchdown on the moon. Um, it's a private spacecraft. It's the first to accomplish the feat and the first American landing since 1972. So there's still that. Yeah, so there's still some interesting stuff happening that's long, on the good side. As long as we're talking about, you know, Russia and uh, <laughs> Cold Wars and stuff, we might as well have a Cold War space landing right in the middle of all of this. Yes. Why not? Yes. All right. Anyway, <clears throat> before any more news comes in, let's, <laughs> let's get quit. to it. Yeah, I know. Let's get to it. Our latest green news report. Chemicals from coal plants and natural gas pipelines can drift hundreds of miles across state lines. U.S. Supreme Court hears challenge to EPA's landmark good neighbor pollution rule. Investing in our water is investing in America. Biden administration unveils billions in new funding to clean up nation's drinking water. Plus, new study finds near universal global support for climate action. Interesting. I knew Republicans must live in a different world. All of those stories and more straight ahead from Bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. Nearly 15% of Americans deny climate change is real. The study found that political affiliation most often played the influential role in determining whether a person believed in climate change or not. You don't say. I wonder which party doesn't believe in climate change. CBS News didn't tell us. This is your Green News Report. By the way, Desi Doyen, it's mostly Republicans who don't believe in climate change <laughs> since CBS didn't think it important to tell us. Yes, it's true. What do you have for us on today's Green News Report? Well, first, bizarre winter heat strikes Japan, breaking high temperature records for the month of February by unusually large margins. Axios reports that the record winter warmth in Japan matches unusually warm trends also seen in Europe, Australia, South America, and Asia since the beginning of the year, which scientists attribute to a combination of human-caused climate change and the intense El Nino in the the Pacific Ocean. I don't believe in it. 
But in British Columbia, that mid-January outbreak of extreme cold caused catastrophic damage to the province's vineyards, with estimated losses topping nearly $450 million this year, sparking calls for government support. Also in Canada, the province of Alberta declared an early start to wildfire season this week, citing low snowpacks and tinder-dry forests. It's an ominous sign after last year's record-breaking fire season. Plus, officials say a high number of so-called zombie fires from last year are still smoldering under the snowpack and could spark larger wildfires in the spring. Mm, Zombies. I believe in zombies. Here in the U.S., the U.S. Supreme Court heard oral arguments on Wednesday in a challenge to the Environmental Protection Agency's Good Neighbor Pollution Rule. The rule requires power plants in upwind states to limit toxic air pollutants that drift across state lines and harm people in downwind states. It requires power plants to install pollution controls already in use at other power plants. The EPA says the Good Neighbor Plan will save thousands of lives, but the challengers, Ohio, Indiana, West Virginia, and industry groups, say it is too costly and burdensome. Court watchers say it appears that the court's right-wing supermajority has the votes to block the regulation while it undergoes lower court review. So if I pollute in Ohio, what is that any other state's business? It's just polluting Ohio, right? It's it's not like, you know, things can actually blow over the border and pollute and make other states sick. Yeah, air pollution doesn't recognize state lines. What? Some good news, a new study across 125 countries finds nearly universal public support around the world for governments to act on climate change. 89% want their governments to do more to tackle global warming. However, people systematically underestimate the commitment of their fellow citizens for action. The researchers attribute that perception gap to the media's focus on a small number of climate change deniers and pollution industries. They say people are more likely to do more for the public good when they understand that others are doing so as well. So if they don't think someone else is doing it, they think, well, why should I do anything? Kind of. Uh-huh. Finally, this week, Vice President Kamala Harris and EPA Administrator Michael Regan traveled to Pittsburgh to promote the region's success in replacing more than 18,000 lead water pipes. Nice. And to announce the next round of investment in all U.S states and territories to repair the nation's aging water systems, nearly $6 billion to upgrade drinking water, wastewater, and stormwater infrastructure, all funded by the landmark infrastructure law, which EPA Administrator Regan said is the single largest investment in water infrastructure in the nation's history. More than $50 billion, and that's billion would it be, to replace lead pipes, protect treasured waters, and build drinking water and wastewater systems that are resilient in the face of climate change. Wow, removing and replacing all of the lead pipes across the entire country. That sounds pretty good. Which administration is doing that again? The Biden administration. Huh. For much more on all of these stories and the ones we couldn't get to today, check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. And this has been your Green News Report.
cool, clear water. Indeed, it's uh, kind of important. That's and not I... too much to ask, is it? <laughs> well, apparently it has been for several decades now because this is the first time that this kind of uh, comprehensive investment mm-hmm. in upgrading water infrastructure has occurred in so many decades. So it does prove, again, I think our running theme Elections have consequences. You know, they were uh, out, uh, was it Harris and uh, Michael Regan, Michael Regan EPA were out administrator in Pittsburgh, touting yes. all of this in front of signs that said something like, uh, cleaning up America's water or replacing lead water pipes. Yes. Uh, not that they asked me, but why not a great big sign that says, get the lead out? <laughs> I'm not kidding. A failure in messaging, perhaps? Uh, Yes. If it was a Republican campaign, that's what they would be doing. Get the lead out. Uh, we got to get out of here, Des. Uh, but very quickly, I want to note, you know, we've been uh, saying for the last couple of weeks, we have been at bradblog.com and here on the air for 20 years, recently celebrating our 20th anniversary. Next week, I'm told, we will be celebrating Green News Report's 15th anniversary. Yes, we will. We have been doing the Green News Report for 15 years now. And we have not solved the climate change or the environment yet. Oh, or well. haven't we gotten the lead out? But we're working <laughs> on it. All right, I got to get out. Thank you very much, Desi. Oh, and, and by the way, if you haven't donated because we've been on the air 20 years, think about Desi Doyen and her <laughs> Green News Report. It's bradblog.com slash donate. Anything that comes in over the next week or two, it's all going to Desi. That's what I say. (laughs) Okay. All right. Yes, please, and thank you. And by the way, also come visit me. I'm at Green News Report on your social media sites. Again, visit her, not me, (laughs) on social media. Uh, Thank you very much. Desi Doyen is our producer. Thanks to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's program, you can always download all of them for free. Thanks to those of you who do stop by bradblog.com slash donate to help us stay on your public airwaves with the Bradcast, the Green News Report, and whatever else we can dream up. Bradblog.com slash donate. You can drop me email. I will read it, and I'd love to hear your scenarios for a non-Joe Biden 2024 election, (laughs) as we discussed at the top of the show. Uh, Okay, I'll bite. Send me your emails. I am bradcast at bradblog.com. On the Facebooks, Mastodons, and sites still known as Twitter, you will find me at the Brad Blog. We will see you there. Until we see you here next time, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. 